Welcome back to Team Talk, ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team. I'm Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser alongside, and now joining us on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline has been a friend of the radio station since we launched back in 2008. That's Will Weber. He's the sports editor for the Santa Fe New Mexican. And Will, it's been way too long. How's everything going up there at the uh, Santa Fe New Mexican, my friend? Yeah, you know, first of all, I can't believe you guys have been on the air for that long. It just doesn't seem that long at all. It seems like it was just yesterday. I remember when you first went on the air and I talked to you about the, the station and your goals and all that stuff. It was crazy, but yeah, congratulations. It's not easy to survive that long in, in today's climate, so good job. <laughs> but, <laughs> Especially the last couple of years, huh? Man, I tell you what, it, <laughs> the last couple of years are bizarre because now I, where I used to wear like khakis to work and the button-down shirt. Now I wear gym shorts and a T-shirt because I, <laughs> I work from home most of the time because of COVID. But yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but no, it's good that, that you know we're heading into the, the busiest week, really, of of the, the, the amateur sports season here in New Mexico. This, the high school basketball state tournament is is as big as it gets, and it's it's exciting. It's It's a cool thing every year, and this is, I think my 27th state tournament, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, that, yeah, 27 years. Well, that tells us something. Uh, tells us something. So uh, one of the things you're working on as it relates to the upcoming uh, state tournament, which uh, obviously kicks off Friday night with the girls uh, and then on uh, Saturday the boys. Um, we'll get to that stuff later, but uh, you've written a, a, or in the process of writing a piece for the Santa Fe New Mexican that will run on Sunday that kind of encapsulates some of the history associated with this tournament, Will. We know uh, the names change over the years, but one thing for sure, uh, it's a great part of the fabric and the culture of New Mexico, Will. Yeah, you know, it's, it's that's the best thing about the state tournament is, is every year it gives you a different story. And, and anyone who's been around who's lived in New Mexico for a while if you've been exposed to the state tournament, there's just been some incredible moments. Like last year, the half-court shot for Volcano Vista winning. Just some incredible teams, incredible players. But, yeah, this weekend for our Sunday section, I'm writing about the 1962 Boys Championship game in, in Class A. You know, back then, there was only two classifications. You didn't have, what, five classes now. You didn't have a lot. Of, really, they didn't even have girls' basketball. It was just all boys back then. So, it was a big deal, and but the 1962 game is is it goes down as one of the most memorable high school games in history. If only because yeah, that was the year Sandia won. They beat St. Michael, St. Mike's the team from Santa Fe in the championship game, which is out of this world. But St. Mike's is remembered as a team that their, their nickname was called the Mighty Midgets because their 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 tallest starter was five foot nine. And they, they actually did have a seven-footer on the team, Nick Pino, who went on to set all kinds of scoring records in the state, but he never got off the bench. He sat at the end of the bench. They, they went with a small lineup, and every single team that they played in the state tournament that year, they played Carlsbad, they played Valley, and then they played Sandia. And all of these teams had Division One players. He, <laughs> Sandia had two guys that went on to play Division One ball, Including uh, Gary Suter, who played in the NBA for one year, the, Cav- the Cavaliers. He's six foot nine, wow. and so in, in Lou Boudin, I, I tell you what. So I, I had, uh, some of the, not all these guys are still alive, unfortunately. Um, in but there's there's a couple players from Sandia that are still around. Uh, Lou Boudin, 
who's who lives here in Corrales. He's a six foot seven guy. He played at Texas El Paso, or actually Texas. He was on the national championship team from Texas Western. Uh, but he was six seven. Gary Suter was six nine, <laughs> and Lou was telling me. He said, "You know, we watched St. Mike's earlier in the tournament, and we thought there's no way this team can hang with us because not only were they a bunch of short guys, but they didn't have traditional jump shots. They weren't especially good at ball handling." And then when they played, Sandia had a 15-point lead in the second half. looked like they were just going to run them off the floor. They're, of course, back then, they played at Johnson Gym because the pit wasn't even constructed yet. And it was, it was sold out. The game was broadcast live on TV across the state. And Sandia's just working them over. And St. Mike's wound up going to this, this full-court press, forced like 20, 30 turnovers. <laughs> and they got back into the game, and Sandia won it on a on – a, on a game-winning jump with like six or seven seconds to go. And it would just, the personalities that were involved in that game and the memories you have of it are just incredible. It's it's funny, 60 years later, people still talk about that 1962 championship game. No doubt about it. And I think it was Jimmy Papan that made that game. Right. And yeah, he, uh, he, he's lived in infamy, uh, ever since. Um, so that, that, uh, game you're talking about is like one example of, of what we, we often see in the state tournament. You've been covering it a long time. I mean, just a few years back, it seemed like, I think we had consecutive 10 seeds, uh, win the state tournament in the, uh, 5A. I think we had Rio Rancho that was a 10 seed that won mm-hmm. state tournament. And and then after that, Atrisco Heritage as a 10 seed won the state tournament. So it's an example of you never know what you're going to uh, see, you know, in those three days. And and it's going to be uh, interesting the way everything is compressed in the pit on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, semifinals and finals only, Will. So um, we love seeing the quarterfinal games there. We know because of COVID, everything, you know, got put together at the end there because we didn't know what was going on. I'm sure we'll get back to that. Uh, what kind of a difference do you see this whole thing making with uh, the semis and finals only in the pit, Will? Yeah, I know the reason they're going to this is, uh, look, the pandemic had an effect on everybody. And, and renting the pit is not cheap. Uh, you, you're talking thousands of dollars a day uh, to rent that facility. And the same thing goes for the Star Center or the Rio Rancho Event Center. It's not, it does not come cheap. And so when you can host the first two rounds on campus sites, you're saving a lot of money. You don't get the, the excitement that you probably usually get if you play the game in the pit. Because, you know, let's face it, people, kids focus all year on playing a basketball game in that arena. And to, to take quarterfinals out is kind of a bummer. But I, I think what the, the, the biggest effect it's going to have on this year's tournament is you're probably not going to see a lot of upsets in the first two rounds because the top seeds get to stay at home. You're not going to see, like, I mean, my goodness, Las Cruces was undefeated in three season a couple years ago and they lost to Onyate right off the bat I don't think you're going to see stuff like that this year I think the top seeds by and large get through and from a historical perspective I mean there's a lot to talk about with this year's tournament yeah we have the possibility of having a 5A championship game with two undefeated teams that's only happened one other time in history and then of course that's one of the more memorable championship games of all time the 1999 Hobbs LaCueva game where they were both undefeated you could have Volcano Vista and Las Cruces, and everyone talks about how good Las Cruces has been the consensus number one all season, but, you know, Volcano Vista has probably played a tougher schedule, so I cannot wait for the 5A championship game. 
but there's a lot of storylines. You look all the way from 4A through 3A. I mean, 3A is, is you have J.J. Griego, the former Lobo, coaching at Socorro. They're the top seed in 3A. So that's kind of cool to see a potential former Lobo lead his team to the championship. And the girls. Uh, look, Volcano Vista with Lisa Villarreal, one of my favorite coaches of all time. I mean, she's, she's, she's etched her name in history. She is probably, the, I mean, in my opinion, the, the greatest female basketball coach this state has ever had. And the fact that she's taking a team that's won 38 straight games into the state tournament, I don't think they're going to lose. And then all the talent they've got at that school, it's, it's a, it's, <laughs> we could have a sustained run. It'll be the closest thing we've had since El Dorado. And that's saying a lot. I'm not saying they're turning into El Dorado when Flanagan was there. But Volcano Vista is on the verge of building a dynasty in 5A girls basketball. Well, that's the stuff you're going to get in the Santa Fe, New Mexican on Sunday. Check out Will Weber's piece that he's going to do in the Santa Fe, New Mexican. We're talking with Will Weber. He's the sports editor at the Santa Fe, New Mexican. You just mentioned uh, this run that uh, Volcano Vista is on 38 uh, and counting. Um, so you mentioned that Don Flanagan El Dorado team and the success that they had. What was the uh, record that he won in a row? Uh, do you happen to know that one, Will? Yeah. 77. That's, that's incredible. They won 77 games in a row. I mean, the guy the guy lost 13 games in his high school coaching career. That's just phenomenal. I mean, you could have a team in 3A boys basketball that they've already lost 14 games. St. Mike's has lost 14 games. They could win the state championship having lost more games in one season than Flanagan losses an entire career. That's, that's insane. And when you, when you think about the evolution of girls' basketball, in the last 30 years here in the state, I mean, it's gotten so much better. The, the athletes are so much better now than, than they have been. And the, the, it's like the ceiling for girls' hoops in this state is limitless. It, it, and it's exciting. It's, it's cool to see how many girls play basketball now and how big the tournament has gotten. So, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite parts, especially when you get some of these schools in the Four Corners area. You get Shiprock and Kirtland Central and, and even Gallup, and they bring all these huge, huge fan bases to the tournament that's what makes it that's what makes it special and it's all girls basketball well, and, and along those lines well I mean that is certainly one of the highlights every year of the state tournament you see fans from all over the state from as far and as close by to the pit as, as possible everybody's coming in filing in and out for different games and so you were telling the story you were telling us earlier you said they were playing at Johnson gym because it predates the pit, but just from that historical context, just talk a little bit about the significance the pit has in being associated with the state tournament. Yeah, you know, they, they, the thing opened, what, 1966? And, uh, and, and it's, they've moved the tournament around a few times. It's, it's like it was in Las Cruces back in the mid-late 90s. Uh, of course, everyone remembers that was one of the more famous, famous tournaments is it was the year they had that blackout. <laughs> where the, the lights just went out of the Pan Am Center right in the middle of all the championship Saturday stuff, which was bizarre. I remember when I was working for the Journal, and we had a really good picture of, of a kid from Valley. He standing there's like a stream of light coming in and illuminating his face, but he, it was dark. It was, it, was, it was just one of the better things. But now the pit is it's centrally located. Albuquerque is the biggest city in, town, in, in the state. Everyone knows the building. Everyone knows the... The, the, the everyone tells stories about running down the ramp and into the into the building with all the crowd noise and the student sections and the bands. That's what you live for if you're a high school kid. And we all know people who played high school ball here in New Mexico, and they can all tell you that goosebumps moment of what it's like to leave the locker room 
and run down that ramp onto that floor. And whether you've got 5,000 fans or 15,000 fans in that building, that's a really cool moment for a high school kid. And there's not another sport in this state that can rival that kind of atmosphere for a high school kid. You know, because high school football games are played on campus sites. The soccer tournament is usually played at some sanitized place like Bernalillo or it's here here at the APS complex or wherever. But it's basketball takes on a life of and it's, I mean, gosh, you look at the the attendance in some of the the greatest years I've ever had. You're you're approaching 130,000, 140,000 fans throughout the course of the week. And most of them come down here just to watch games in the pit. So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see schools that you just don't usually see, like Hobbs and and the Clovises and the Carlsbads and, you know, all these schools coming in and just for a couple of days. And, it, you know, every game's got tears. Every game's got jumping around. And it's and it recycles itself every 90 minutes. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, and it's going to be great to have everybody back in the pit because you're talking about some of those ancillary elements, whether it's the Hobbs band or you know, the fans that come from all over the place. I mean, that's as part of uh, that's as much a part of the story as the games themselves will. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's it. Is you, you, uh, some of these schools don't even really realize <laughs> that there's uh, there's rivals across the state. My 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 some of my fondest memories are like when Hobbs would play Farmington. <laughs> these schools that are separated by eight hours of bus rides that they would see each other and they happen to meet in that building on that floor. And it's just, it's such a cool environment. It's almost like everyone has the same story afterwards, that wide-eyed moment where you come down and you're used to playing in gymnasiums where there's a giant white wall right behind you. So you're used to the backdrop, but in the pit, there's nothing behind you for 80 feet until you get to the concourse. And so you see some, just some horrible shots. But once kids start settling in and it's like a magical moment for some kids, they settle in, and in that magical moment for those kids, kind of turns them into legends, and those legends become huge. I like, look, we still talk about that 1962 championship game with the game-winning shot. The guy that hit the game-winning shot, Jimmy Papan, that was the only shot that guy made the entire game. Of course, it's at Johnson Gym, <laughs> but there was seven thousand fans there, and people still to this day think Jimmy Papan scored forty-five points in that game. That was the, those are the only two points he scored. But you make a bucket in a big game of the state tournament, and your name goes down forever as a legend. It's funny that you mentioned Hobbs and Farmington specifically because they play each other in the first round in the boys' 5A bracket, and then they're on the same <sighs> half of the bracket, uh, Will, with, with the Santa Fe Demons uh, hosting Sandia. So just give us a, a little sense of, of what you're looking forward to with, with Santa Fe and Sandia. Yeah, you know, Santa Fe, they've, they've won a few games. They've got a pretty good record, but they the, the district that they played in was not terribly great. Uh, they we got swept by Los Lunas in the regular season of the district tournament, which really hurts them. And the winner of that game, you're going to have to go down and play Las Cruces. And Las Cruces is definitely a team on a mission. And they've, they've, they've had, I'm sure they've had their, their eyes on Volcano Vista all year. But to me, I think the best thing about the 5A bracket is a potential Final Four matchup. If the seeds hold, you have Las Cruces and Hobbs. I know they played each other, and, and Cruces held them. I think they won by 15 points earlier this season in, in Hobbs. They, they did a pretty good job against him. But that's a, that's a game that Las Cruces doesn't want to play because Hobbs hasn't lost since then. Hobbs is on an absolute roll. And Volcano Vista, you know they're looking right at La Cueva in that semifinal. And the only time... 
that Volcano Vista got tested all season was when they played at La Cueva early on and they needed a three-point shot at the buzzer from Jaquan Hill to win the game. So you know that's a game that kind of concerns them a little bit. So, you know, can't, uh, look, I think in, um, for those of us without a rooting interest, it's love to see two undefeated teams in a championship game. Sure. But that said, that, that said, do not be surprised to see LeClaire playing Hobbs when it's, all, when it's all said and done. Will, uh, and by the way, we're talking to Will Weber. He's with the Santa Fe New Mexican. Check out his story on the history of games like you've just heard him talk about here on 1017. Uh, that'll be on in Sunday's paper uh, for the Santa Fe New Mexican. So, Sam brought up that Hobbs-Farmington matchup in the first round. Will, okay, I got one for you, all right? Uh, It's 494 miles from Farmington to Hobbs. It would be 100 miles closer if if Farmington was playing a school in Phoenix, okay? (laughs) It would be 100 miles closer to Farmington to go to Phoenix than it will be for them to go to Hobbs. So uh, that's quite a road trip. But uh, like you said, uh, usually these teams do meet in the middle. I do want to ask you about this uh, team from Taos in the boys 4A because not much representation from the north uh, in either the boys or girls 4A or 5A, uh, but Taos is getting some recognition. Yeah, Towson and Espanola—they're the two-three seeds. In I forgot the about Espanola. Yeah, let me. I, I'm, yeah. yeah, I can't. How can I forget about yeah. Espanola? But talk about those and, two schools. Yeah, and be afraid of Espanola because yeah, you know, look, they might not have the most talented team in the world, but we all know if you've been to the state tournament, Espanola brings everyone to the state tournament. <laughs> and so the LA is almost a district rival of theirs has to go to Espanola. My guess is that Saturday night's game it probably won't be a sellout. You're, look, Espanola fans don't get really excited until the thing moves to Albuquerque. It's funny because they, they can't sell out their 4,000-seat gym, but when they come to Albuquerque, there's 10,000 people from Espanola. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how that works. but it, it, and it, We've seen that. Espanola's won the state tournament a couple of times because their fans go absolutely nuts at this thing. And, and, and if you... If you Never really been. Look, we've been covering UNM basketball the last eight years of teams not going to the postseason. So the fans have kind of been sitting on their hands for eight years. But when you come into the high school basketball tournament, you're playing in the pit, and teams like Espanola Valley, uh, Gallup Girls, and they bring in 10, 12,000 people. It's louder in there for those games, more energetic for those games than it is for any UNM game in the last eight years. And Espanola, that's why they're dangerous. When they get into this thing, if they run Taos in the semifinals, which they could well, probably will do. It, look, Taos still has to go through Hope Christian in that first round. That's no picnic. But if Taos will bring a lot of fans to the North teams, really, for, for whatever reason, the North teams always draw really well. The teams from Las Vegas, the teams from Santa Fe, Pecos, Mora. I mean, little tiny Mora, which has about seven people living in it. For some reason, they have all of a sudden 5,000 people at the Star Center when they show up. So, that's the best thing. Uh, and then, look, in Highland, the top seed in that, in that bracket, Highland's proven it all season long. But if you get to a championship game where it's Espanola against Highland, I can guarantee you that the, fan, the, the fans in the stands are gonna, from Espanola are going to outnumber the Highland fans by about 30-1 to 1 in that game. So it'll be like a home game for Espanola. All right, Will. Well, thank you so much. Again, we'll look forward to looking for your piece on Sunday in the Santa Fe, New Mexican, and we'll look for you at the pit uh, next week. Thank you so much for joining us here on ESPN Radio 1017, the team, Will.
Anytime. Call me anytime. Thank you. All righty. That's Will Weber. He is the sports editor at the Santa Fe New Mexican. All right. More team talk later here on ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team.